I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. In the Indian Ocean, there's a small island called Reunion. But coming from that island is one of the greatest squash players of all time. A former world number one. A world open winner. Thierry Linku. And guess what? Thierry is this week's guest on The Best in the World with Richard Parr. Thierry is now a coach at MIT, yes, that famous university in the United States, and he talks about his new job and how he recruits players from around the country to come and play for MIT. He talks about what he knows now as a coach that he wishes he knew as a player. And we discuss his whole career from his early life to spending time in England and in Egypt. We talk about how he had to adapt to the physical nature of the sport and also what he would do to mentally prepare for big games throughout his career. We also talk about the importance of rackets and exactly how he would like the specification of his racket when he was playing. And it's a really light-hearted, fun chat with Thierry as he reveals how he got his nickname TT in the sport. And I must say, this is the third squash player I've had on the program, and all three of them have been absolutely delightful. And Thierry, the 2004 World Open champion, was certainly that on this week's Best in the World with Richard Parr. Before I get to the conversation with Thierry, I just want to say about 99designs. It's a design website that I personally use. I've got a logo designed on there, and you can get other things designed such as websites or business cards or even posters and banners, just go to sportuccino.com forward slash 99designs. That's our own special link. So if you do end up using their service, some of the money which goes to them will come back to us. So you will be supporting this podcast. And if you're not happy with their service, they do have a money back guarantee. Go and check it out, sportuccino.com forward slash 99designs. All right, it's time to learn from the best, the very best, the best in the world. This week, it's Thierry Linku. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Thierry, 
Thierry Linku, welcome to the best in the world with Richard Parr, a former world squash number one, a world open champion. So great to have you on the program. Of course, you've been retired for a few years now and are now a coach at MIT. How's the coaching been going for you the last few years? Yeah, hello, Richard. Yeah, so, yeah, it's been my third season over here at MIT and um, it was, uh, yeah, just a new career, just a new new opportunity and then I'm still uh, learning, um, getting better at it uh, month after month and the team is really improving. So um, really happy and it's it's a lot about recruiting as maybe you you, you know. Uh, so not only the, the training part is essential, training coaching, but also recruiting like good, like good, good uh, players. Hmm. Okay, so what specifically are you looking for when you're recruiting? Are there a few things that... Sh- that really needs to be ticked off the list and, and maybe what all, what is the one thing which perhaps not most people would realize that you're looking for so in uh, in US um well college sports in general it's it's really big uh, and uh, squash is is fairly new uh, to the amongst all, all those uh, university sports uh, MIT works a little differently because this is a school uh, specialize in sciences and uh, like computer science and technologies. So um, I'm, I'm a little limited in terms of really purely recruiting as I, as I wanted to, because uh, those guys uh, need to meet certain requirements, academic requirements. So, uh, so yeah, have the grades and everything. Then what I want to look for is first of all a good personality, but then uh, a good like potential so start with a great technique and also like uh, like good like like a good fitness so speed is one and uh, of course endurance and I'm trying to assess if you know from the videos and if I go and see them in tournaments if they're mentally you know strong and um, and focus yeah Hmm. You mentioned fitness there, and when I was doing my research about you, your, your Wikipedia page had you down as one of the greatest lateral <laughs> movers in the game, as well as being one of the <laughs> fittest players in the history of squash. Uh, are well, those things that you can teach? Can you teach speed? Oh, that's a good question. Um, we, uh, it, 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 it's a tough question because... Uh, we all know that if you're not born with, you know, a certain amount of like, uh, you know, fast twitch fibers or like, you know, like fast fibers, you're you're mm-hmm. gonna be struggling to like being very explosive and quick. I do believe you can still improve if you're like born slow. You're gonna be able to to improve a little bit, but you, you you're never gonna become like you know, uh, like fast and furious. Uh, <laughs> so you can. You can uh, improve that specific speed within the specific movement, you know, of squash. And and even with my slow guys or clients, you know, they can still um, they, they can still improve that specific speed in doing a lot of like yeah, yeah, and movement and 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 working that that fluid movement too. Hmm. Okay. Very interesting. With everything that you've now, you said you're learning all the time as a coach, and and obviously you 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 probably learnt all the way through your your playing career as well. What do you know now that you wish you knew at the start of your playing career? 
Yeah, so as you know, I was born um, on the on an island, on a French island. So I'm a little, kind of a little different from, you know, what you could have as you know, like uh, like like in squash. I mean, in squash, you know, those champions in general, they are from countries from the Commonwealth uh, countries, because uh, the sport is really well came from England. Okay. So um, first of all, I was, yeah, one of the, you were the first uh, guy to become world champion from a non, you know, uh, Commonwealth countries. Um, And coming from an island, yeah, it was, I I had limited access to a lot of, well, you know, um, a lot of things in terms of like uh, seeing like good good games or seeing some um, like champions. I was pretty much isolated. I wish at my time I could have had more access to some, you know, through the internet, to some videos, to some, um, uh, to have, yeah, a bit more exposure to learn faster and maybe have a little more, I think to develop a little bit more, um, attacking skills as well uh, and deception from from a little bit earlier on my career. I was doing this, but, you know, uh, like till the end of my career. And I wish I could have, yeah, maybe like integrate more of a attacking, you know, yeah, more of like variety in uh, really like uh, attacking the, 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 the front of the court. Yeah. Mm. When you don't have that culture of squash in your country, when when you do have those limitations, what do you think about it then, being in your home country, being in your island? What was it about you and being there that made you the champion that you are? What were the things you learnt in those early years which you think helped? And and in some ways were perhaps yeah. an advantage to, say, others who go through a structured system, say, in the United States or in the UK? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so because yeah, uh, because of that situation, I had to be from an early age, and specifically from 14 years old, I decided to um, to team up with two guys um, from France. Um, so, and we 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 really try to um, not copy what was existing, you know, like in the world. And we did really try to work like a little differently. And it was a little bit more scientific, you know, all my fitness program, all my, uh, yeah, like physical workouts was, it was really the precise and, and, um, and even, uh, in, in a way my movement was, we tried to do a little different from, uh, from the others, really being more efficient around the court. And I think that mentally being away from, you know, the rest of the world uh, gave me a lot of strength um, and dedication. I think that was really my, uh, my, 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 my strongest point was my mental, the fitness and my ball control overall. Um, and I think that's what I'm trying to, uh, you know, to, um, trans- to transfer to, to my people. Hmm, fantastic. Um, again, I, I, I want to just rewind a little bit further because it's just come into my mind, but when when the country 
isn't renowned for its squash. It doesn't have these structures. How did you get started in, in the sport in the first place? <laughs> yeah. So the squash was booming in the 80s uh, in general, like in Europe, even in France. And uh, where the Reunion Island where I live, it's, it's like by Madagascar, which is a good 12 hours from France, you know, like flying. Yeah. Uh, so my dad, my, my dad built uh, the first squash court on the island um, in in like an abandoned factory, and and with a couple of friends, you know, they like put up that, that squash court. Uh, it was really maybe not the right size, but it didn't really matter. So, and anyway, I live really close to that place, and I was well. I was there pretty much all the time with my brother and my family and friends. And that's really how, with the love of the game, you know, that I, I was able to develop a lot of like seeing by myself and understanding stuff. And that's how it started. And, uh, yeah. Mm. And I've read that after you turned around 17, 18, you did decide to, to travel and improve your knowledge of the sport in, in various places such as England, Cairo, I've got Marseille yeah. down here as well. What did you learn yeah. by taking in those different cultures? Is there is there one thing which helped advance your game during those years? Yeah, so I loved going to England because I had a, a few really good friends, well, especially from like uh, Waddingford, Reading, um, I used to go there when when I moved. So then at, at 17 years old, after school, I moved to Paris just to like relocate myself and to be more, well, you know, it was much more practical. And then from there, I was going to England and learn a lot from the guys, you know, the, the sense of, um, you know, being very competitive. Uh, the, you know, it's like that, that discipline that the guys, you know, they had, um, the uh, yeah, the just the, the, the fighting spirit, the discipline, all you know, all the guys were really fit. Um, so well, that's really what I learned from that England, you know, like well, England squash, and then uh, going to Egypt. I think it was there was so much like variety of of styles, you know, and I learned a lot just playing with a lot of different guys with different techniques to really improve my perception, my reading of the game. Cause I, it is all about, you know, pace and like in every sport, I differentiate, you know, the top 50 from, you know, 10, well, well, so 20 to 10 to one is really that capacity of executing everything a little faster and, and understanding and processing a little faster. So Egypt was good because those guys were like fast and furious. They were like hitting with different techniques and with a much more aggressive squash. And I think that was really beneficial for me too. Mm, fantastic. And, you know, you mentioned physicality and everything like that. Uh, I read that you're one of the nicest players on the tour when you were playing. And um, was it a difficulty of getting used to some of that physicality going on? I learned, I learned the, not the hard way, but I had to, <laughs> to learn how to, uh, yeah, be a little physical sometimes. Because this is a sport where, unlike tennis or table tennis or badminton, there's no net, there's no separation. 
between the two opponents. So you need to share that space and you need to not only play your shot, play the ball and create access for the other guy, which is sometimes complicated with the speed of, you know, of the game. You don't necessarily have time to really like move out from your position and and thus you know there could be some like yeah con- like little conflicts or little you know bump on the way um so yes i had a time a hard time coming from an island <laughs> where you know the it, it was a different philosophy and the mentality is a little different to adapt myself to be a bit more me- not mean but a bit more yeah to accept that 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 di- dimension here on the court and to be prepared just being prepared like uh psychologically to be to sometimes you know having to touch the guy or you know to uh, to accept the contact as well um and then i was fine then i was fine with that yeah was there anyone in particular who when you saw that you were playing with them you're like oh i don't want to face this guy i know it's going to be rough today <laughs> You know, there was, you know, I'm not going to name anyone. But there, there, there were guys, there were guys like, and honestly, sometimes, you know, it was not even the, the tall, big guys, you know, who naturally takes a lot of space and cool. So- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sometimes he's just <laughs> some normal guy who just did not clear, and uh, you would have to fight your way in and just like. So that's when it's getting frustrating and a little complicated as well for the referee mm. uh, to just try to uh, have the game like fl- very fluid, and you know that's th- in this way. There's a lot of stop and start, and we don't want that in squash. That's the worst. Uh, yeah. Mm, and 
I went to the uh, the World Championships of squash a few years ago in Qatar, and you do see some players. They like to put a bit of the pressure on the referee as well, <laughs> complaining about the other the other guys not getting out their way or being too rough. It's it it, it seems yeah. to me, and, and I've not really played the sport, that it, it can be quite a, a mentally tough sport as well as physically tough. Yeah. Is there anything in yeah, particular yeah. you do to prepare, or anything you? do for your mind with the sport so yeah so two things yes it is it is very much you know the, the mental side very like very much part of the performance uh, and that's what that's why you need to get used to that and you need to get more mature to be amongst the top guys so it takes a little while and in, that's why you see now uh, there are so many guys over 30 years old still top 10 in the world okay mm-hmm. The number one, which who's well, Greg Gauthier, or the world, the reigning, well, he's been world champion. He's 35 now. He's been dominating the sport. Um, so it takes a little while to understand and to to have that, yeah, to 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 um, to be able to be strong enough, you know, uh, to stay focused and and just not losing track of that. The referee is part of a is part of the game, so you can try to, you know, uh, get him a little bit of influence and try to like put some pressure. It, 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 there is a mind game. There, there is definitely. Um, so that's why in those big matches you have now like a, a, a three referee system, so it really dilutes all the discussions. Yeah. Mm. And I mentioned Qatar there, Thierry. Of course, that was yeah. one of the biggest wins of your career back in 2004 when you won the yeah. World Open. Is that your greatest achievement in the sport or is it something else? Yeah, I think so. That's, that's, that has to be the greatest. The beating beating uh, what, an English player who was the number one when I played him. So I was number two, he was number one. That was the the dream final and then and then I regain well the status of number one plus the title. But it was even sweeter because one year before that I lost in the final the World Open to Amir Shabana from Egypt. And uh, so yeah, I learned my lesson and then I was yeah, probably the best moment in my career. I've I did do well in some other like major tournaments, but from coming from you know like a French island, I thought it was not bad. Yeah, it was not bad. <laughs> I think that's more than not bad. That's that's pretty amazing to be the best in the world. And you you were world number one for for most of two thousand four and and two thousand and five. What was going right in that era for you? Right or wrong? Uh, right. I was, I was asking right. Uh, what was going right during that time? <laughs> Because it sounds like everything's going pretty well. It was amazing. Well. It was, <laughs> it was just amazing. Just you know, and and I, I just want to point out that being world champion or runner-up, uh, I mean, in in France, it was massive. It was just massive. Mm. It's just the attention, the, the the media coverage, and everything. <laughs> it's crazy. It, one or two, it's just uh, yeah, it's just a big difference. So. I did enjoy it very much. I did. I gave a lot of my time to promote the game and to, 
you know, uh, and I really did enjoy that, honestly. The, the, the hard thing was to maintain that, that rank and that status and being, you know, always, the, you know, the, the one to beat. Um, so that was less enjoyable, honestly, because I could feel a bit more pressure. I could feel, because, you know, you're the, you're the one seed and, and you need to deliver, you know, every time. So in a way, good, but also tough as well to, to, to manage. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's always hundreds of people chasing, but there's only ever one person really being chased, isn't there? When you're at the top. Yeah. yeah. And it takes it takes so much work, I think. And when you get there, it takes so much work. Yeah, it's like being, well, one or even top five. If you want to stay there, it it is yeah, really hard. Yeah. The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. Thierry will be back in a moment. If you've enjoyed this podcast so far or you've enjoyed other podcasts and want to help us to continue to produce this content, then you can do that by heading to patreon.com forward slash best in the world. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash best in the world. And that is where patrons can help support creators. So I am the creator of the Best in the World podcast and you are the patron who wants to give a monthly donation so we can continue to produce this content. And it starts from as little as $1 a month, which works out at like 25 cents an episode. We'd really appreciate it if you do decide to do that. If you've done it already, thank you so much. That really means a lot to us. So that website, one more time, is patreon.com forward slash best in the world. All right, let's return to the conversation with the squash world open champion and former world number one, Thierry Linku. The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. I want to talk about equipment and you worked quite a bit with the Technofiber brand and I'm mainly asking this because I've been speaking to quite a few winter Olympians recently and they were talking about the importance of their skis and their snowboards in particular. I spoke to a snowboarder called JCJ Anderson and he is now giving up the uh, results just to try and find things that he can improve his uh snowboard and just make his snowboard better was that something similar you were doing with technifiber and and how important was a racket or is a racket to a squash player yeah yeah, yeah. it is it is yeah it is very important um so yeah i think it is a sport of really precision too okay um you need to place that ball like, like in tennis like in a lot of sports you need to place and put that ball away and like in the target so you you want to have you want to have like your weapon has to be like just spot on for you the tension of the string is really important the grip is really important the balance of the racket too um you have rackets too heavy you know in, in the head, some of the racket too heavy at the bottom, so you need to find the right balance for your style. Um, some people like very light frames, 
um, where you can maneuver, you know, very easily. Some people want more power, so they want more of a heavy racket. Depending on the style, okay. I I used to work with them very closely, and I was so picky. I think <laughs> they still remember. <laughs> and like when I had to change, let's say every two years, you know, the the, the color or the theme or the cosmetic. Um, well. I always wanted to keep the same frame. And even when they were changing the paint, it had to be the same weight. And I was, I was, yeah, I'm, I made their life miserable. I think. <laughs> what, yeah. what was your style? <laughs> what, what type of racket? How, how did you have your setup? So mine was like, um, the weight was 150 kilogram. And, um, and I, I, I did like to have a little, a heavy, well, a head heavy, yeah. So to to really gain more more power, you know, more weight on my ball, and uh, I think that's that's how I was able to put so much pressure, um, and that gave me a, so with a kind of looser strings to feel the ball. So I hated the the tight tension, um, tight strings. So that 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 was my that was my setup. You know, overall frame pretty rigid, but very like kind of a loose string yeah mm. but it was your ability on tight shots wasn't it thierry that gave you your nickname <laughs> true <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly tt yeah tt my nickname tt tight exactly so yeah i used to be so obsessed with those that precision like yeah because in squash you you don't want to play the ball loose in the middle of the court you really want to play that ball as close as possible to the side walls so the opponent has to go a lot of like distance you know to get the ball and i was yeah i was renowned for my yeah precision like down the wall so exactly if you have like a bad equipment bad racket you could i, I would i would i would feel it right away something yeah what was was off yeah now uh, a good friend of mine is a is a, a pretty good county squash player and he was telling me that the the game has actually changed quite a lot now compared to the early 2000s. Yeah. Would the game now suit you or would it not suit you if you were in your prime right now? I think it, it would I think all the guys would would adapt and would be able to adapt. Honestly, I mean uh, I I think my style was uh, I was pretty aggressive in the middle, like volleying already. So I think I would have I would be okay with that with this current generation and um, and you know being well because I was pretty like quick and 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 explosive. Um, but if you had that style, which is more like yeah, uh, playing at the deep game and passion game and steady game, I think that, yeah, it would be a problem for those guys. The game has picked up, yeah, the pace has, has picked up a little bit. So in general, I think that it's like different sport. You, I think we everyone was good, is good enough to be able to adapt and adapt the training, you know, and with everything accessible nowadays, you can you can do some changes. I think it it is possible, yeah. Mm. And you were recognisable for your long socks, Thierry. Was that just a style mm. you had, or, or was it some sort of, some sort of superstition? 
<laughs> it's funny because I was the first one to wear the socks, and now it's uh, it's <laughs> everywhere. It is it is everywhere. But so I'm I'm pretty happy with that. But he was after an injury, believe it or not. Yeah. Ah. So it was a style, but it was truly some sort of like okay uh, prevention stuff. You know, I didn't want to hurt my calf again, hmm. and that was my. That was my first injury. I was 30 years old. That was my only first one, like muscle-wise, yeah. So hold on. You're now telling me that everyone else is doing the long socks and we don't have the Thierry Linku sock range that you can buy at <laughs> shops. Uh, we, we need to change that. We need the Thierry Linku socks. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. It, it proved, it, yeah, it's been proven to be pretty effective yeah yeah fantastic did you have any superstitions by the way well i used to be yeah to have my little you know routine and 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 i i, I used to pray a lot as well uh, that really calmed me down and um i i i used to love that that the time where i was on my own and relaxed and I could think, yeah. Um, but I always wanted to be ready with exactly the same, I mean, yeah, the same method, you know, the same routine, yeah. Mm. What proved to be the winning method. Well, it's been so great to talk to you, Thierry. Thank you so much for your yeah. time today. Before you go, can you let us know where we can continue to follow your journey on social media, please? So it's on my uh, fan page and uh, on Facebook, right? And yeah, that 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 this is it. This is the only thing. But I I, um, I have to get better at it. So, but <laughs> yeah, my fun page, Thierry Lancou. <laughs> Perfect. Well, it's been so great to talk to you, Thierry. Thank you for being on the show, and thank you for being the best in the world. All right. Thank you, Rachel. The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. Superb stuff there from Thierry. As I mentioned at the start of the show, I've spoken to two previous squash players on The Best in the World with Richard Barr. Go back and listen to my conversation with Laura Massaro and with Jenny Duncalf, both absolutely wonderful interviewees who we learned a lot from on The Best in the World with Richard Parr. All of the previous episodes of this podcast are on acast.com forward slash best. They're at sportsachino.com and they're on iTunes. And we've spoken to many different sports stars. Perhaps you want to learn from the shot put Olympic champion, Michelle Carter. Maybe you want to learn from the Olympic shooting champion, Richard Folds. Maybe the canoe slalom Olympic gold medalist, Joe Jacoby. All really good interviews, which you can listen and learn to help your own sporting ambition or everyday life. I'll be back with you next week with another world champion, Olympic champion, world record holder, or world number one. But until then, I hope you have a great week. Goodbye. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 